Welcome to this episode of Lil Dude's Insect Academy, where we discover more about the extremely diverse world of entomology with your host, Brayden Coy. All right, I hope you guys are doing really well. I have another really awesome podcast interview for you guys to listen to. This one is with a... Um, a woman that I met on Twitter, I think, um, and uh, she is a bumblebee expert, so she just studies bumblebees. But yeah, this was really interesting. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, it was a really great time getting to know her, so I hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys, so I am here with Sarah Johnson. I'm super excited about our talk today. Um, she has never been on the show before, but I'm super excited about um, getting to know her better with you guys. And yeah, welcome to the so- show, Sarah. Thanks so much, Brayden. Um, so yeah, a little bit more about me for mm-hmm. your listeners that don't know. Um, I'm from Canada. I live in the province of British Columbia, and I kind of have two main hats or um, I guess roles, I would mm-hmm. say. So number one, I'm currently a PhD student at Simon Fraser University, and I study bumblebee landscape ecology. So I'm mostly interested in why different species of bumblebees are located in different places, especially in the province of BC. And my thesis kind of has three main topics. One is a field study looking at bumblebees and forest fires. Mm -hmm. Um, One is a field study looking into some important questions about a really big population of an at-risk species of bumblebee that I actually accidentally discovered near my research area for the first topic oh, wow. and and then thirdly accidentally I'm, that's, that's a little <laughs> crazy we'll talk about that more but yeah yeah and then i am also doing a larger analysis of bumblebees in the whole province to try to see which species are doing well and which ones aren't and whether that depends on what area of the province they're in Mm. um and then my second role is i'm the president of the native bee society of bc which is a new nonprofit. we just turned one year old uh, and we're focused on protecting and supporting british columbia's native pollinators through a wide variety of both scientific and artistic activities. Wow, that's very cool. Yeah, so we have a lot to go through, I guess. Um, <laughs> let's just start with, so you do all stuff local though, right? You don't really travel to different places and do stuff, or do you just stay local? Yeah, so I, my history, which I can, I can get into a little bit later too, I've spent some time in a few different areas of Canada and done research kind of across the country, but Um, Now that I'm kind of settled into my PhD and working to start this nonprofit, I am really focused on kind of research around where I live primarily in the province of BC. Wow, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, what so you said you're mainly interested in bee ecology, something like that ecology. What do you say? Bumblebee landscape ecology. There you go. Kind of how Bumblebee I would landscape it. ecology. So sort of break that down. What does that really mean for the people that might not know? Yeah, so I love bumblebees. And when I say landscape ecology, that's like ecology on a larger scale. So that's when we're talking about like patterns that you see on a regional scale or a provincial scale 
or kind of just larger than if you're just looking at one bumblebee moving in very small areas. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the general idea of what I'm interested in, in how patterns of where bumblebee species are located, how they change on larger scales. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you mentioned talking about your background, like how, where'd you start with bugs or have you, have it, has it only been bumblebees or yeah. Where'd you start with entomology really? Yeah, so I kind of have a weird <laughs> journey into entomology. Okay. When I was a kid, I really loved animals, but I didn't really get into bugs until quite a bit later. Um, when I first decided I wanted to go to university, when I finished high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I was really good at science in school, and I really liked biology mm -hmm. and at that time, I was like, oh, well, people who are good at science become medical doctors. So that's what I'll do. Yeah, yeah. That is, yeah, that's common too. <laughs> yeah, so I started university in a biology degree. And then in my second year, I had to take a lot of really hard courses like mm -hmm. biochemistry and cellular biology, um, which I really struggled with. And so mm -hmm. my GPA wasn't quite high enough anymore to become mm -hmm. a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. only A, that I got in courses that I took that year was in ecology. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I was just like, hmm, this must mean that I'm supposed to be an ecologist. <laughs> you, sort of put, you sort of put two and two together. Got it. Yeah. yeah. And then later on in my, towards the end of my degree, I decided I wanted to do like a final project. And so you look for a professor that will help supervise your final project. And the professor that I ended up working with was a professor who studies bumblebees mm. just by chance. And um, so my project was actually pretty crazy. I took a colony of bumblebees into the lab. You can actually order them. Um, there's like bumblebee, people who raise bumblebees for commercial production. And so I ordered huh. my colony of bumblebees, brought it into the lab and took individual bumblebees out, tied a string with beads along the string. Um, to each bee and then trimmed their wings different amounts to symbolize or to um, as a proxy for wing wear because when bees get older they kind of like bump into plants and stuff and their wing the edges of their wings wear down and we yeah. were trying to see how much wing wear affects how much bumblebees can lift and hmm. so that was my crazy seems very tedious <laughs> seems it was really very tedious. hard <laughs> did, did you have to like did you have to like uh, make them cold or something to make them slow down to do that or yeah yeah I cooled them down in the fridge and then I had this like crazy contraption where I like kind of clamped their wings and like had a little noose that I tried to like very carefully put over their abdomen so that I wow. could tighten it around in between where the abdomen and thorax wow <laughs> that is crazy <laughs> wow uh, yeah and my supervisor like told me that I should try this project but he had never done anything like this before either and he was like mm -hmm. so he had no advice on how to do it properly and he just kind of left me to like figure it out <laughs> so 
what did what did you learn from your experiment? Like, do they do, do, do can they still lift quite a bit even with a little bit of a ripped wing, or what's that? Yeah, so they can lift quite a bit, um, and wing wear does affect how much they can lift. So the more wing wear they get, the less they can lift, kind of like a mm-hmm. linear relationship. Um, but the really cool part of it was that asymmetry in wing wear, so if one wing was had a different amount of wing wear than the other, that Which it usually does, probably. Right, yeah, that did not mean that they would left lift less weight. So for example, like if both wings had 20% wear, the bee would be able to lift the same amount if one wing had 40% and one wing had 0%. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's really interesting. So it's Isn't like they, it's like they sort of compensate for the, yeah. for the loss. Wow. <laughs> That's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. That, that's really cool. Yeah. So I mean, for the people that might not know, um, like honeybees are a very common bee that people really like, but, um, and they, you know, make nests or no, their hives and their colonies in, in trees and things, but bumblebees are, live in smaller colonies, right? Oh, quite a bit smaller. Yeah. Yeah. So like a honeybee colony, as you know, I'm sure you're a beekeeper, right? I am. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They can get up to like 50 or 60,000 bees in a colony Mm -hmm. if you have a really good one. Whereas like in different species of bumblebees will get differently sized colonies, but like the biggest colony that you would really ever get with a bumblebee is probably around a thousand bees. Oh, wow. But they are larger, like in the individuals are larger than honeybees. So that does make sense. And and so with a honeybee colony, I'm, I'm sort of comparing it to a honeybee colony because that's what a lot of people know about, especially yeah. the people listening. Um, a honeybee colony has one queen and she is um, she's a different from a biological perspective or a biological aspect in that she is just made differently. But with bumblebees, is that any different? So I think science is not totally sure what makes a queen a queen in bumblebees. So it is different than honeybees because worker bumblebees are able to reproduce. So if you take a worker out of a colony, it can lay eggs. Um, whereas I think it's a little different for honeybees. It is. And so, so really the main difference between a worker and a queen in bumblebees is their size, which, and what matters for that is how much they're fed while they're developing. So towards the end of the colony cycle, like a queen will switch to laying eggs that turn into males and queens, and the queen eggs really just get fed more by the workers. So... Do you know if there if there can be multiple queens per colony? Uh, so multiple queens can be born in a colony. So mm-hmm. toward, so bumblebees are annual. So everybody except the new queens dies at the end of the season. But mm-hmm. for example, one colony would be able to produce like up to 10, 20 sometimes queens. Um, but wow. usually a single colony would only have like one mother, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So for the, for the, I guess, nests or hives themselves, do they, are they in the ground? or are they in trees or I'm just kind of asking sort of 
um, sort of, uh, I guess, easy questions for you because some of the listeners might not know, but. Yeah, yeah. And I love talking about bumblebees, so feel free to keep asking. Um, Yeah, bumblebees are what we call cavity nesters. So they're looking for like a cavity or some sort of empty place that they can use as a nest. They're not really able to dig their own nest very well, Um, but they're pretty opportunistic. So like I would say a bumblebee queen, uh, quite frequently they'll nest in like abandoned rodent burrows under the ground. Mm -hmm. they can also nest in like dead vegetation on the surface of the ground or in like tree cavities or that sort of thing so Mm -hmm. you can have bumblebees nesting in the ground on top of the ground or above the ground it kind of just depends on where they find a good cavity Hmm. yeah so so bumblebees are pollinivores like honeybees so that that means they eat they feed on pollen and nectar but do they make honey So they make what we bumblebee biologists usually refer to as a honey-like substance. So it's not, it doesn't have the same properties of like the honey that honeybees make. It's really mostly just regurgitated nectar. So they Hmm. come back and puke up nectar. They have like little honey storage pots so that they can, and that's kind of so that they can potentially weather like a few days of rain or if they have to hide out in the colony for a short period of time so it's a different it's a different reasoning whereas honeybees make honey so they can overwinter as well so it's like a longer period Mm -hmm. um but yeah, so bumblebee colony storage is like a small amount of puked up nectar. Um, mm. And they don't, they don't do any of the crazy behaviors like fan, honeybees fan mm-hmm. to evaporate and like put mm. other weird stuff into honey. You yeah. know more than I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're, bumblebees are very interesting in that, um, well... So another thing that a lot of people might not know is that uh, honeybees can only sting once and uh, bumblebees can multiple times, right? That is true. A bumblebee can sting you as many times as it wants, but they are very unlikely to sting, like same as honeybees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're really cool. Um, so what other research have you done about honeybees? Uh, not honeybees, bumblebees. Sorry. Um, so stuff in your area what have you found about um the i'm gonna mess it up again uh bumblebee landscape ecology what have you found in your studies of that yeah so i am pretty early on in my phd work so Mm -hmm. most of my research that i described when we started talking i haven't really found any answers to that yet because i'm still working on collecting the data and analyzing it Mm -hmm. um but like for like other research I could continue to talk about what I did after I finished that weird tying string around bees project yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so that one finished up um we found that really cool result with the wing asymmetry and I was able to publish that in a scientific journal and then 
Um, shortly after that, I started my master's degree with um, the same professor that I was working with for the String Bee project. But this time, I kind of switched gears a little bit and got out of entomology slightly. My master's was looking at wildflower seeds and how logging in the landscape affects how many seeds are produced and how big the seeds are for a bunch mm. of different species of wildflowers mm. um, in the area that I was researching. Okay. All of the wildflowers were bee pollinated, so I still kind of had the connection to uh, entomology. Um, but shortly after finishing up my master's, I really dived into learning more about entomology. And when I say entomology, I mostly mean bumbology. I don't even know if that's a word. Which is, <laughs> I guess, I guess the study of the bumblebees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I got a job working with another professor in the same university um, with a focus on bumblebees in agriculture. And that's when I really got a good taste of entomology because I had to identify thousands and thousands of bumblebees under a microscope that we had caught in this study. And we were here looking to see how um, agriculture in um, Southern Alberta in Canada, which is a lot of canola, I don't know if hmm. you're familiar. It's like a mustard plant with yellow flowers. Okay. Um, so you were looking at things like how the agricultural landscape affects when bumblebees come out and how many of them there are and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you you mentioned part of your work with that is looking at wildfires, right? So stuff that happens after wildfires. So can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> Sure, yeah. So for my PhD, um, I'm looking at how bumblebees are affected by wildfires. So um, that's in central BC. So where my study system is, there has been a ton of wildfires in the area. So I think yeah. it's a provincial park and there were 56 fires in the past 15 years just within that park alone and so I am interested in asking how bumblebees like move through and how different populations are connected in a landscape that has a lot of fire um, okay. because something that a lot of other studies have found and probably something that a lot of people like would intuitively know if they thought about it is wildfires are actually pretty good for bees because mm -hmm. bees like like open meadows with lots of flowers and lots of like opportunities for nesting and mm -hmm. so fires will burn through an area open up the canopy so there's way more wild flowers so there's way more food and so it's actually a potentially a good thing that there are more wildfires for bees but I'm interested in seeing like in a landscape that is composed of like mostly forest with these like frequent patches of burned areas that are more okay. open I'm interested in seeing like how different populations of bumblebees are connected 
by movement between those patches of fires. So like, are they more connected, like within a fire or through a forest? Mm -hmm. Um, And how does like distance between fires and like density of the forest and those sorts of things, how does that affect how much the populations are able to exchange bees between each other, if that makes sense. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, very cool. So you've worked with all kinds of stuff, bumblebees, really. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much the main theme is bumblebees. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so now let's talk a little bit about your not-for-profit, your bumblebee not-for-profit. Yeah, so (laughs) I actually, this nonprofit was started um, by myself, but also a ton of my friends and colleagues who are also passionate about bees. And I couldn't convince them to only make it about bumblebees because Mm. they like all different sorts of native bees. So we, it's the Native Bee Society of BC and um, we're a pretty new organization, but we are trying to connect kind of experts and enthusiasts, anybody who cares about native bees and wants to help them out in the province. Um, We accept everyone, including like people that aren't experts. We have scientists, we have people that are artists who make art about bees and plants. That's cool. That's Yeah. And so we're trying to become like a central hub for everybody who loves bees in the province. And we do like education so we're trying to develop materials about the different sorts of bees that you can find in bc very cool Um, yeah that sort of thing yeah so so when you say native bees what do you mean by that like what is not a native bee yeah, so there are a variety of different species that of bees that are not native to North America specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, the main one that we exclude from our society is the honeybee yeah. um, because we're trying to help and support wild bees specifically. Mm-hmm. But um, the honeybee is really the main non-native bee that you mm-hmm. are likely to come across in North America but there are a couple other non-native bees that are are or are not invasive. Like uh, another example is the European wool carter bee is Mm. a bee that's quite widespread and was accidentally introduced to North America, I think. Is it a solitary bee though? It is a solitary bee, yes. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so something that some people might not know is that honeybees were introduced to America. So there's no such thing as a American honeybee, right? So we've had them here so long that um, they're, they're kind of part of the ecosystem now. And um, But originally they were introduced from Europe. Um, and so, yeah, some people don't know that, but they were brought in for agriculture and the production of honey as well. So yeah, just sort of a disclaimer sort of there because they're technically not native but yeah yeah and like honeybees are obviously very important for Mm -hmm. agriculture in North America and um, valuable for producing honey as well but as a society I think we want to kind of celebrate and educate people about the awesome crazy wild bee diversity that we have in North America yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's a 
it's a big thing here in North America. We, I think we have probably one of the most uh, dense native bee populations. And um, I'm really happy about that because some of the colors on these guys, like if you look at some of the native bees, they are just really colorful. <laughs> like it's really cool to watch them too. So yeah, I mean, let's sort of uh, – shift focus here so a question that i really love to ask my uh, guests on the show is what are some other hobbies that you might have that might not be related to your 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 uh, bug work but maybe some other hobbies that maybe you just enjoy that aren't even related yeah so uh, it's funny every time anybody asks me this question I'm like oh but my hobby is work (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I, I get that a lot on the show too yeah people are like well I don't really have any other really just my bugs right so yeah so I I do I really love bumblebees and I'm really passionate about the work Mm -hmm. that I do so much but I I do it a lot in my free time too but Mm -hmm. I do have a few other hobbies I really like long distance running um and I really like hiking as well and exploring nature. And um, obviously, since you found me on Twitter, you know that I also really love photography, mm-hmm. specifically macro photography. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that counts since I mostly take photos of bees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that counts. I would say that's a whole <laughs> hobby on its own. Um, I, I would say it's certainly a hobby. But what uh what hikes have you done like any really popular or exciting ones that you've done so i did um take a trip a few years ago to yosemite park oh, wow. In wow. The and um i did the clouds rest hike that i really liked mm-hmm. um but there are actually a lot of hikes that are really close to where i live like within only about an hour drive so i spent a lot of time just doing regular mountain hikes in Vancouver. <laughs> Very cool. Are there any are there any ones that stick out to you as ones you want to do or um I've always wanted to so I also do a little bit of backpacking like I'm very much a beginner but would like to get more into backpacking and hiking and I did part of what's called the Sunshine Coast Trail um, close to where I live which goes like right along the coast of the ocean and has a lot of like really beautiful views Um, and so I did the first half of that and I think I would like to do the second half of it one day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Have you thought about doing the um, the PCT? the Pacific Crest Trail. Have you thought about doing that one? Yeah, I there's a lot of those like bucket list trails that I think yeah. always look super cool. That one that one takes like all summer though. So <laughs> that's a little bit that's a little yeah. crazy, but I'm definitely too beginner for anything crazy like that. But Yeah. Yeah, I I know some people that have done it and it's really really long. So yeah. Um so is there anything that you want to do differently in the future with your work or do you want to just sort of stay with bumblebees? I think you probably want to stay with bumblebees, but do you want to sort of, well, obviously you're a PhD student, so you're just sort of starting out, I guess. Um, but do you, are there any projects you want to work on in the future? Maybe something you want to do differently in the future or basically what do you want to do in the future really? <laughs> Yeah, another tough question. It's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I've grown up for a while, and I'm still not totally sure. So, (laughs) Uh, 
but yeah, I think I, I'm really excited about this new bee society that we just founded. And so I'm really looking forward to putting a lot more work into expanding the work that we do there and trying to raise more money that, so that we have like a better ability to run some of our own bigger projects. Um, cause especially there are uh, like, it takes a village, obviously, and it's not just me. There are a lot of other people, mm-hmm. board members on the society and other people who are helping out. And I really love and get a lot of value out of collaborating with other people and listening to other people's ideas and working on projects like as a team. So I don't I don't think I really know specifically projects that I'm interested in doing besides the fact that I really want to stick in British Columbia because it's mm-hmm. where I grew up and I I really love it here. <laughs> okay, very cool. So I think we're going to – is there anything else you want to say or I think we're going to wrap it up here? Um, I think we've covered well, a fair bit of ground. Yeah. Just about everything. Okay. <laughs> so – so where can me and my viewers uh, learn more about what you're working on, your, your, uh, your, not, your, your uh, nonprofit, your, uh, some of the work you've done in the past? Where can they learn more? Social media, uh, website, wh- where do they go? Yeah, so the Native Bee Society of BC has a really awesome website, bcnativebees.org, and um, we have a lot of good content, and we'll be uploading more over the next months and years. Um, BC Native Bees is also our social media handle for all three platforms, so Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, I actually have a personal website in the works, but it's not quite completed yet. So until I have a personal website, you can get in touch with me by my personal social media as well. And I have Instagram and Twitter. um, And my handle is many Sarah's. (laughs) All right. Very cool. All right, guys, go check her out. Um, Go check check on what Sarah is working on and uh, with her bumblebees. Uh, It was really great to have you on the show, Sarah. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. All right. Yeah, this is this was a blast, really. <laughs> All right, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I sure did enjoy uh, getting to know Sarah on the call. And, um, yeah, we learned a whole bunch about bumblebees that I actually didn't even know. So, yeah, definitely go check out her Native Bee uh uh, nonprofit organization that she's been working on. Um, I'll leave all of her links down in the description of this of this um, episode. You can check out her social media um, and then also her uh, Native Bee uh, non- uh, nonprofit organization. So definitely go check those out and follow her along with what she's working on. Um, yeah, I'm super excited about these next couple interviews I have working on for you guys. Um, I hope you guys have been enjoying them a lot. Um, this is definitely what I want to be doing on this podcast. Basically, from now on, it's basically just interviews because I really love doing it. Also, I'm working on a new studio, which is epic. Um, I have this little room that I've had available to me now, and we painted it, and I built a desk for it, and um, I'm working on soundproofing it. It's going to be awesome, so I hope you guys enjoy that. Sort of enjoy the up-in quality um, (laughs) in the next couple weeks. So yeah, I hope you guys stay tuned for that. Um, I'll be showing little sneak peeks on my my Instagram and uh, you know Twitter and Facebook. 
Um, so yeah, follow along for that, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Have a great rest of your day. If you enjoyed this episode of Little Dudes Insect Academy, then consider subscribing to my channel and sharing this episode with one of your friends. You can even support me financially through my Patreon, which has a link in the description. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep on bugging.